now the cleanest hour in podcasting with your host, Ralph Peterson. This is the Housekeepers Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Housekeepers Podcast. Dare I say the cleanest hour in podcasting. This is going to be a fun show. I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to want to take out a piece of pen and a paper because we're going to take a lot of notes. Isn't that right, Irene? That's right. That's right. Irene Zibin. 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 Irene Zibin, all the way from the west coast of Canada, joining us to talk about the you, – you run a cleaning boss boot camp. Yeah, I, I help um... – others who are struggling with their cleaning business to hire employees to automate their systems and uh, you know so that they can step back and stop cleaning um, because it's hard work which is probably one of the biggest challenges when you first start your own cleaning company right because you're going in and you're just doing it you and yourself and maybe your spouse is helping out maybe a cousin maybe a kid yeah, yeah. I Dragging know your kids along. <laughs> <laughs> and then how do you go from that to actually running your own business, actually hiring staff, getting people to do the cleaning for you rather than you doing? That's what you help people do. Yes. Super great. Super exciting. So as you know, I love to start in the beginning to find out how you even got here. How did you end up in this crazy business of ours? Did you grow up in Canada? Is that where you're from originally? Yes, I grew up in British Columbia in a Dukabor community in uh, Grand Forks, British Columbia. But how I got into the cleaning field. Oh, I, wait, 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 wait. Oh, so uh, I just want to know what it was like. I grew up in, you know, Massachusetts and Vermont, the United States. Uh, yes. What was it like growing up for you in Canada? What was childhood like? What did your parents do? Well, when, when I grew up, you're not going to believe this, but we didn't have electricity until I was like five years old. And we only had cold running water. We lived in a like kind of a remote village. And was that just you or was that kind of like everybody in the village? Well, everyone in the village. So, this yeah, so was, I'm not going to tell you what year, <laughs> but it was quite a, quite a ways. I wasn't back. asking. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... You know, and uh, when I was, I think, six or seven, we moved to the Okanagan Valley, and, you know, then we had electricity. And So what did your parents do for a living that brought them to a place where there wasn't running water or hot water well, and electricity? it's a long history. It goes back to Russia. You know, the Dukovars were fleeing persecution back in the 1890s, and a fellow named John Verrigan brought them all to Canada on a ship. It was partially funded by Leo Tolstoy, the writer. And so that's kind of my background. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's pretty interesting. There's a whole yeah. lot to unpack there. I wouldn't even know where to begin. No, it's too long a story to go back. But. So did your parents grow up there? Did they? My father did. Um, my mom was kind of like an outsider of the Dukabar community, and she kind of resented that. But. I know she won't be listening to this podcast, so it's good to say that. But uh, my father grew up there, and you know, his father and his grandfather was one of the original immigrants from Russia. Oh wow! So it's a deep history there. Yeah, and I like then, kind of history. <laughs> yeah, and then they moved, 
to where there was pat do you remember any part you can't imagine if you remember that first place that you lived where there wasn't power and stuff oh do yeah you? Yeah, oh, yeah? I, I still remember it and i still love it this day when the power goes out because it reminds me of my childhood you know we had uh, oil lamps wood stoves you know, my mother would cook on a wood stove we actually had a bathhouse, if you can believe it. I do. You know, my I grew up, this is so embarrassing to say, I grew up poor. So the lights going out for us always happened because we didn't pay the bills. <laughs> different, different reason, yeah. different reason. I don't feel the same nostalgia when the light goes out. <laughs> we have different feelings about, yeah. about that. Yeah. yeah, that's funny. But, uh, but it, it, you know, the power rarely goes out these days, but... Um, yeah, that's really good. So what did your what did your parents do for work? My dad did various jobs like mining, logging, you know, things like that. Um, jack of all trades kind of thing. And my mom was a stay at home housewife until we got older. Mm. So, How many are you? How many? Three kids in the family, three girls. And where are you? You're the oldest? I'm youngest. the youngest. Oh, me too. Oh, me too, youngest of four. Of four, youngest and four. do you have sisters? And, and I have brothers? one sister and two brothers. Okay. If you would ask my sister, she would say she has two brothers and a half a sister because she always tried to dress me up as a girl when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. That's hilarious. Oh. So how? what was high school like? What was grade school like? Did you work at all during school? I worked during high school as a chambermaid at one of the local motels. See, now we're getting into yeah, it. Yeah, okay. so, and I worked alongside some, you know, older ladies, and I kind of resented it because I felt like I was doing a lot of hard work, and I wasn't getting paid the same wage that they were, so I quit. And then one day, I met the owner of the motel in one of the local convenience stores, and he wanted me to come back to work. So I told him I wanted a higher wage and he said, yes, okay. So that was that. Were they paying you based on your age rather than based on what the job was? Yeah. I think oh, I was 14 or 15. Hmm. What was, you know, I'm going to, okay, here we go. What was the something. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> my where first, was that the higher wage? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. My, my first job was $3 and 15 cents an hour. Oh, what did you do? Well, I worked in housekeeping too, but it was cleaning the high school. Oh, okay. And so I, from my, we had a program in the town. It might've been a statewide program. I don't know, but we had a program in the town where from between eighth and ninth grade, actually, I think it started in eighth grade and went through high school where every summer they offered through the town. I think they paid some of the wages, but they offered all kinds of opportunities with local businesses. So you could work at the car dealership. They would show you how to do so. You could work at a store, stock and shelves, you know, like just you could work at a fast food restaurant and the government or the town would pick up some of the wages. And they also had city jobs. So you can work for the road crew. You know, you could be doing blacktop, that kind of thing. Or you could go clean the high school. And I remember distinctly being excited over the idea of cleaning the high school. I thought it was such a, you know, I thought it was such a great idea. I thought it was very smart because I'd never been to the high school. And this way I'm going to spend the summer there. I'll get to know where everything is. Like I won't get lost. I'll know where the cafeteria is, the lockers, blah, blah, blah. And it completely backfired because that's where I got the nickname, the housekeeper, because as soon as <laughs> school starts, and of course, I know all the janitors, you know, it took my classmates about eight seconds to uh, 
start picking on me. Oh, kids are cruel. Yeah. <laughs> I always say this. There was another friend of mine, a close friend of mine named Chris, and he lived on a farm. And as soon as people found out he lived on a farm, they started calling him farmer. And like he would get so mad. He wanted to fight other kids over it. And here I am in the corner going, I would trade with you in two seconds. I would love to be the farmer. <laughs> oh, well. Kids. Oh, yeah. It's funny <laughs> some of the things that happen to us when we're young and that stick with us. A million percent. A million percent. Yeah. So that was your first job doing chambermaid stuff. Yeah, so you were chambermaid, like cleaning motel units. and. Yeah. So did you have a lot of, I just wonder how busy your the motel was. Were you working nights, weekends? Was it just during the summer? It was just during the summer because mm. it was a tourist town. Mm, and okay. it was in uh, Osoyas, British Columbia, which is, you know, a popular tourist destination. So we just basically worked all summer and then spent our paycheck on junk, you know. Yeah, of course. Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. What were the rules like in Canada? Because my next job was working at a ski resort in Vermont oh, cleaning nice. condos. You know, because skiers would come in, they'd rent a condo for a day or two, and then they would leave. And so we're turning over condos like you would a hotel room. But the rule was whatever they left behind, we could keep. Oh. And, and they were so great. They would leave cigarettes and half open bags of potato chips and beer. I got the best pair of sweatpants I ever had. <laughs> was it the same way? I think it was. It was just kind of like a an unwritten rule like if there was something left behind that was obviously left behind and i hate to say it but once we found playboy magazines <laughs> but you know that's what the thing that i remember finding of all things but you know you know monies you know coins cigarettes things like that yeah definitely yeah there i was saved a couple of times there are two times in particular, one time not really safe, but where I didn't have either money or lunch and I found food in one of the in one of the condos. And I was like, yes, so great. And then there was this other time where the it was not really the same thing, but the boss had a car that he needed to have cleaned. It was like a company van. And they need they, every once in a while they would have one of us bring it down to the car wash. And so he asked me if I'd do it. I'm like, of course. I had, again, no money. I had no food. I'm starving. I'm a young kid. And he gives me like $3. And he's like, this should do it. You know, this is what I spent $2 on food. And that was the fastest cleaning job in the world on $1 worth of spray at a, you know, do it yourself car wash. I mean, I ran around that van with that water because I had no time. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's. Ah, so fun. <laughs> memories. Oh, yeah. Memories. Life, life is made of memories. Absolutely. So you did that. Did you do it every year until you graduated high school? I think I did it for a couple of years. And then I did odd jobs like uh, waitressing and what else did I do? Just whatever, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, just kind of like whatever. And so what happened after high school? What did you do? Well, I got married young at 17. All right. Um, to, my husband was in the military, so off I went to Winnipeg, Manitoba, which is cold. It's like Siberia there. Yeah. It's flat and it's snowy and sunny all the time, but it's cold. So I got married. I had a couple of kids and stayed home for a few years. And then I did other odd jobs. Uh, one of 
the best jobs that I remember is working back then when a woman had a baby in the hospital, someone would come around and take pictures of photographs of the baby. And then they'd bring them to your room in a package to see if you wanted to buy the package of photos. Well, I was the photographer for that. Wow. So, that's, I totally remember that. I remember that whole yeah. motif where people would try to, they would take pictures and then they would try to sell them to yeah. you. And you, you couldn't buy just one. You had to buy them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The package. And so I did that. And what else did I do? Bartender. A lot of service-related jobs till my kids were older, and then I went into banking. And well, you talk about your dad being a jack of all trades. I think you you followed right along in his <laughs> Probably, footsteps. Probably, yeah, it's the Russian blood. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, then I got into banking, and I stuck with that for like about ten or twelve years. Oh, wow. So, so, what did you do in banking? Did you do the front end, the teller work? Well, I started out as a file clerk, which I was really excited about because prior to that, I had worked in a bookstore. So doing a file clerk, I was making like $8 an hour. I was so excited. I thought, well, I get $8 an hour just to sit here and file checks. This is like great. I remember the first time I made $8 an hour, I had to carry concrete forms. (laughs) I love the money, but that was the hardest ever. I'm a little jealous that you got to do clerking for eight bucks. How big are the concrete forms like that you had to carry? They are two feet by four feet. So they're not very big, but they're super heavy, which is why they're that small. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they can't be like a whole four by eight sheet, like you would normally think of like a sheet of plywood or something. It has to be smaller than that. And they were four, they were always two feet wide. So they could be six feet long, eight feet long, four feet long, two feet long, but they were always two feet wide. I bet you got in shape doing that job. Oh, I was, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. when you're a kid, you know. Yeah, yeah. You can do a lot more. <laughs> Certainly. Yeah. So, yeah, I did banking. I started out as a file clerk, and then I got promoted to teller, and then I got promoted to teller trainer, and then I got promoted to, like, a, the type, you know, the account opener type of job. And from there to, like, a senior role and then from there to a manager role managing wow and that was it that finished me (laughs) so (laughs) it was too stressful you know on one of your shows I heard you talking about how you would always say yes to jobs like who wants to do it and you'd put your hand up you know you'd agree to any job that was offered to you well I was the same way in banking but I found that my basket just kept getting higher and higher (laughs) and you know, the the more you did, the more, and I just got fed up with it. So that's when I entered cleaning. That's super great. And I got to, just to clarify a couple of things. So one, I was always saying no, and I was getting nowhere, mm-hmm. which yep. I think is where the word nowhere comes from, from you saying no to so many yeah. things. It's, I have to write that down. It's pretty good. <laughs> but and I was getting nowhere. And so I just decided that I was just going to start saying yes. So I was just, you know, I'm going to stop it because there was a guy who also hated life, hated his job, and he was very vocal about it. And I kind of got sucked in with him. And so, you know, as he complained, I complained. As he didn't like things, I didn't like things. If he said no, I said no. All of a sudden, we were known as like the no twins. And nobody wanted to hang out with the no twins, right? And so I had to reverse that. 
But to my good graces, because I didn't have to take that whole, I'm saying yes to everything that comes my way. I didn't have to take that to the extreme. It was really quite quickly, like a few months before my big boss recognized that I was always the only one volunteering and he stopped letting me volunteer, which was an odd thing I didn't see coming. Do you know what I mean? He's like, yeah. I need some, I need a crew to go to Maine. We're going to strip my action force. I'm like, I'll go. You're always saying yes. You're not going. Who else? I was like, oh. I had the opposite effect. <laughs> well, that's that's kind of nice. You you had a good boss. <laughs> yeah, he was a great boss. And then shortly after that, I got they asked me if I wanted to take this new position, promoted into a new position, and it was all because when they went and asked everybody about me, they all said the same thing: he's willing to do anything. That only stemmed from me saying yes. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, that's. It but could, it burned did, you did out. You feel, yeah, that was my next question. <laughs> did you get burnt out? I didn't because my promotion put me in a position that I'd never been in before. Oh, yeah. And so it was a super learning curve. It was very exciting. There was a lot of travel involved. And so I, well, I was really was more. That position? I'm curious. It was a regional director selling housekeeping and laundry services to oh, nursing homes, hospitals, senior care facilities, which is what I do still today. I love it. I just love it. Interesting. Yeah. So I uh, I got to the point in banking where I would be driving home at the end of the day. My drive home was along the lake, Okanagan Lake. But I would be driving home and I would think, you know, I wonder, does everyone feel as stressed out when they're driving home or is it just me kind of thing? And so my sister asked me if I wanted to help her with her house cleaning business. So I would say, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So she'd set something up on the weekend and then I'd back out on her. <laughs> oh, you were one of those. <laughs> you were a bad sister. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I didn't realize at that time what it takes to, you know, set up appointments for cleaning and arrange for staff. But boy, I sure do now. <laughs> Did you ever apologize in retrospect? Go, hey, uh, remember I kept saying I would and then I didn't show up. I feel your pain now. Yeah, I, I don't know if I did, but, <laughs> yeah. but I should remember that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So, and let me see. So she was cleaning houses. Is that what she was doing? Yeah. She was a long-term care aide in a health facility and she started cleaning homes and she would come into the credit union where I worked and she would show me her website. And when I would go to visit her, she'd open up her china cabinet and she had this envelope stuck to one of the bottom shelves with it was full of cash and checks and she'd fan it out and show it to me and you know I thought well maybe I should give this a try you know maybe I can make as much as I do at banking maybe not but I'll escape banking anyway so I gave it a try and don't gloss over that what do you mean you gave it a try tell me oh, the steps you took like you, oh, how did you even get your first client oh Okay, well, I cleaned with my sister. I was going to say, did you steal your sister's clients? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I didn't steal them because she lived about 45 minutes away from me, so I couldn't really. But I, I tried cleaning with her, and I remember going into the first home that I cleaned with her, and we cleaned for two hours each or something like that. But when we left, I said to the homeowner, oh, thank you for letting me into your home. It was very, you know, nice experience. And then when we got out into the car, she said, don't say that. It makes you sound like a criminal. <laughs> <laughs> so she warned me. So that's always stuck in my mind, you know. 
And so I cleaned with her for a few times. And then when I finally had enough of banking, I decided I was going to start my own cleaning business. So back then I advertised in the local newspaper. And I think my first cleaning job was one home for two hours every two weeks. And I started cleaning and I learned that way. And Were you still working full time while you did it though? No, no. No, you completely quit without... Quit, quit the banking. And I actually, between banking and house cleaning, I did another stint as a... Carried for developmentally disabled adults. Okay. But, you know, so I, I was doing the house cleaning part time and looking after... Um, Got it. That's a very important job. Yeah, it was very important. Uh, we did a lot of walking on that job and did some house cleaning for, you know, the person I was looking after. Very wow. cool. So you get your first client, you're booked two hours every week or every other week? Every two weeks and, mm -hmm. you know, added a few more clients. And then I would have people contacting me, you know, with bigger jobs, like say a move and clean that was going to take 10 hours. So I, I knew I couldn't do that by myself. So I had to hire someone. But first of all, I asked, you know, family and friends, but that doesn't really work out. So. As your sister told you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't work out because, well, I hired my cousin and she would do things like she would sit down on the sofa while she was dusting and, you know, things <laughs> like that. And what do you say? I think I employed the same person. <laughs> 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 what what was what happened to you with what? Was your no, no, no. I mean, I mean, uh, that's. I find that all the time. It, yeah, it's. I'll walk into a residence room again. I work in healthcare, long term care, senior care. I'll walk into a residence room, and it's not uncommon to find a housekeeper watching, you know, television, sitting in a chair. Oh no way! Yes. Oh my goodness, that's yeah. Oh yeah, happens all the time. So, you know, I, I hired my cousin and then I hired another family member who refused to clean certain things because she would break her nails and she didn't want to break her nails, things like that. So, but I finally ended up hiring someone who wasn't related to me and, you know, that worked out. So I had did now. You, how did you hire them? Was it like a on a call basis or was it like just part time? Like you had to set schedules so you could say, hey, like every other week? Yeah, it was on a part time basis. So I would make up a schedule, you know, on a calendar, paper calendar. And so they knew when they were working and so forth. So where did you, did you have, were you doing that when you worked for the bank? Were you doing like scheduling and that kind of thing? Well, I did have six em employees that I had to schedule. Oh, okay. And, you know, back, back then we didn't have online schedules. Mm -hmm. Everything was you know, written out in paper. Yeah, it still is for us. We generally do everything by paper just because we're always having to make corrections. Oh, okay. okay. And we post it, you know, so it's a piece of paper posted at the time clock. Uh -huh. And so it's the type of thing that it starts out a regular piece of paper, and then by the end of the two-week period, it'll be like a thick piece of cardboard because we've whited out, rewritten, whited out again, rewritten. <laughs> so many call-outs and changes. I found that, like when I was started to really grow my business, I, I went from two employees to three, then four, then five, and I had one of those big desk calendars, 
And I was sitting at the car dealership having my car serviced and working on my schedule at the same time. And I remember an elderly gentleman came up to me and asked me if that was the biggest schedule that I could find. (laughs) And it was just a nightmare, a nightmare. Yeah, scheduling is tough. That's why I asked, where where did you get your experience from? So it makes sense you would have gotten it from the bank. Yeah, from the bank, yeah. It's something that's, I had a friend who worked at a bank for a long time, and that's something that it's an odd thing in the sense that people that work in the bank, and it's probably more industries than just the bank, but their hours are, you know, eight to five thirty or whatever it is. But those are set hours regardless of the work. Yes. Right. So there's, there is no part timer. Everybody's full time and I need three people a day, even though sometimes I only need two people. And that growing up in housekeeping, we never have the money to keep somebody just on the payroll. You know, there's no yeah. work involved. So it's a, always an odd thing for me. Well, it's funny that you should mention that because I found that, you know, some of the employees that I was responsible for managing were looking at the internet, you know, or talking. And it was really hard to, I struggled with, you know, delegation at that point. So it was hard for me to get them back on track. But over the years, I've learned (laughs) delegation. (laughs) It's a weird thing, that whole idea of delegation in management, because there's only three options. You figure out how to get them to do their job. Or you do their job, or you explain why none of the jobs got done, right? There is no fourth option. That's it, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh You do it, they do it, or it doesn't get done. That's it. So, and I've come to the point where, you know, I just can't, I can't do all those jobs. Like we have uh, in my own personal business about 80 residential customers. So, Could you imagine trying to clean 80 residential customers on any consistent basis? Of course. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So I use an automated schedule now. So I love it. (laughs) And do you give your, I'm just curious, do you give your employees the ability to make changes to that schedule? Well, they can request changes and then I'll change it and then it's visible to them on their phone or the computer or whatever. Got it. I know a lot of places are trying to, allow the employees the freedom and the flexibility to do it themselves. But of course they have to get somebody to cover for them. So they can't, you know, once they're put in a shift, they can't just give up the shift. They have to, somebody else has to cover that shift. And then the two of them, sometimes the three of them will go and request a change together. Otherwise you can't just make the change, but it's a challenge. I've seen that. I've seen that, you know, some cleaning organizations, where people can choose their own hours. And I've often wondered how that works or does it work? Yeah. And I think it does or can, and I think it can't. It comes down to the same thing as everything. It comes down to people. People, yeah. You know, if you have some people who understand, like let's take Amazon is a great example. Maybe it was Netflix, actually. Netflix, not Amazon, Netflix. Netflix, the organization had decided that they no longer want to have vacation days. There is no more, you have one week a year, two weeks a year, no more of that. Now it's unlimited. You can take vacation whenever you want. When I first heard that, I was like, well, 
that's causing an issue, right? That's there's you're asking for some trouble there. But as I researched and I read all the articles about it, here's the thing that's super interesting about it. The people that they gave that responsibility to, like said, hey, no more personal days, no more vacation days, there's no more limit. If you want to take time, you need to take time, go ahead. By the way, here are the dates you can't take. If you're in bookkeeping, you know that there's no chance, it doesn't make sense for you and for the team to take the last week or the first week of the month off. All right. Because that's our busiest time for bookkeeping. And so then you're like, oh, okay. So that's, so you're given the parameters because everybody understands the business. So then again, it's not so much the parameters, it's the employees who understand and appreciate and respect the parameters. That's what really counts. Exactly. Yes. Yes. I have uh, seven or eight employees right now, but I find that, you know, like in the housekeeping world and the residential cleaning in general, not too many people can afford to take holidays. And that's the way it is. Yeah. Well, it's a low wage. It's a low wage. Like I try to pay my employees like top wages because I want to retain them. And I've had my employees for a long time. Like, in excess of two years, six years, that sort of thing. Wow, that's really good. Yeah, but it's kind of a sad thing, isn't it? You know, well, that- it's a, it's. I don't know that it's a sad thing. I think it is. You could easily pay your employees a lot more money if you're able to sell your employee services at a higher rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you probably could. There's probably, of your 80 clients, there might be five, six, seven, eight percent of them that can afford and be willing to pay a higher premium. However, because that's such a low number, that means you'd have to get rid of 80% of your employees in order to afford to pay the one employee or the two employees at a higher weight. You know, it's a weird, there's no, it's not right, it's not wrong. It's I hate this turn of phrase. It is what it is, but it I well, really I don't know. like that turn of phrase. It's more yeah. market driven. So I mean if people respected, and not that people don't respect, if people were willing to pay $1,000 to have the house clean twice a week or twice a month, that'd be really fantastic for all of us. But yeah. then a gallon of milk would cost $800. So it's all relative. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. For sure. Drink here. So you got into the cleaning business quite intentionally. I like that. I like the, because I too had a situation where I was finally fed up. I wasn't doing what I wanted to be doing. I wasn't happy with where. And so I was like, I'm going to go do my own thing. And it sounds like you did the same thing. And I really, really appreciate that. I think that's. Well, I just, I wanted to be my own boss for quite a while. I wanted to be self-employed, you know, to see what it was like. It's been very good. Like I've been self-employed for since 2008. And I love it because no one can tell you what to do. You're wear a lot of hats, as you know, marketing, bookkeeping, payroll, hiring, firing. You have to know all of the uh, government paperwork for your business, things like that. So I have, have learned a lot. And uh, I don't think I could go back to working for someone else. I just couldn't. Yeah, I certainly don't want to. So that's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to either. So. Mm-hmm. I like the hours, the flexibility, you know, being your own boss. Yeah. You know, it's funny as I, I, and I was going to say, I think, but I know I work more 
as a as an entrepreneur than I did as an employee. But Same. my heart's in it a lot more. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's that whole adage, you know, if you find what you love to do, you'll never work a day in your life. I don't think that's true because every job has some hardships. There are some days you're like, oh my, I can't believe this is happening. But for the most part, I really love it. I really love it. More than I did the last job that I really loved at one point too. And what what was that? Selling how it was, it was working for another, working for another contract service company. Uh It's weird. If I look back at my trajectory of like every stepping stone kind of leads to another stepping stone, right? Like everything you do. I got the opportunity. I really enjoy teaching. And for whatever reason, I just enjoy, I enjoy storytelling. I enjoy explaining. I like knowing stuff. I like reading. So, you know, and I, the company I was with put me with a couple, a, a couple of different times. They put me with new people who were trying to learn how to sell housekeeping and laundry services in the same industry. So they're like trying to, you know, they hired some, somebody new. Like, hey, we want to make them a regional director. We want to have them start learning the ropes as well. And I loved it. At first, I was a little, you know, I was like, why am I training the new guy? Like, are they going to take my job or whatever? (laughs) (laughs) You know, you have that. But I truly enjoyed the teaching aspect of it. And I remember going to my boss and saying, you know, I think where I'd be better utilized in this for this company is as a trainer. Let me teach people. And he said, there's no way we're going to let you do that. We'd much rather keep you in where you're at. So there's no moving. And that's why I quit because I want to teach. And I was like, well, there, you know, he would say two things. One, he would say, there's no money in teaching, which is false. First of all, (laughs) as you know, as you know, (laughs) as you know, right. Uh I'm talking to the cleaning boss boot camp lady. As you know, there's plenty of money in consulting and training and teaching. Oh yeah. And the second thing he said was, you know, people teach because they can't do. And that was just like such a dig. Like he was just trying to crawl under my skin. And he did, but instead of, you know, me like, I'll prove you wrong, I'll keep selling. I was like, I'll prove you wrong, I'll see you later. You know, so that might be the reverse effect. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. If you can't, if you know, people who teach can't do, that's what a misunderstanding of the value of a good teacher. What a misunderstanding of the educational system. Is that boss still doing what he's doing to this very day, or do you know? No, he is. Yeah, he he is. is. Yeah, and he's he's a great guy. He does a good job. And the company is great. I would recommend the company to anybody. They really are a great, great company. They really do a great job. But I think the car dealership down the street is a great car dealership. And I think the salesman is a great salesman, but he sells, you know, I don't know, Chevys and I have a Jeep. I like Jeeps. You know what I mean? Like, it's all it is. I I have nothing against them. It just helped me put me where I needed to be. You know what? Isn't that true, though, as we go through things, Irene? One step leads to another. and One step leads to another. And some are more difficult than the other. Some are higher. Some are lower. Some are easier. Some are more difficult. Maybe they're set up that way. It might not be like a planned step. I was thinking about this last night. I was thinking about, you know, my business is growing really fast. And, you know, I didn't plan it that way. It's just happening. And, you know, like I'm here and I'm doing it and it just happens. Yeah. So, well, I, I, yeah, I think you've been doing a lot of work and it's finally catching up. That's what it is, right? (laughs) I'd like to think that instead of just 
you know, but I'm not going to turn it away because I, I like it. And, you know, I like what I'm doing on Instagram. I'm not so good at Facebook or LinkedIn, but I'll get better at that. So let's talk about the business. So let's talk about what you're doing right now and how you help people scale essentially. Okay. Well, when the did reason- you start, when did you start the boot camp? Let's start there. And why did you start in, it? Well, I actually started just before COVID hit. You know, people would ask me all the time, oh, Irene, how do you do this? And, you know, I want to start a business or, you know, I'd have people come to work for me and I could, you know, they wanted to gain knowledge of starting their own business. So I thought, I wonder if I could, you know, put this together into some type of a course, you know, that would teach people because I don't really want to teach people one-on-one. I don't have the time for that. But if I could do it like, you know, through a course, people like to learn on their own time. They like to learn while they're laying in bed or, you know, having some time to themselves. So I thought if I could put it into a course, I would do that. So along came COVID and we shut down the cleaning business for about four months. Okay. Was that your choice or was it because your clients were kind of like, we're home now, it's a little difficult? It was just, you know, like, all the businesses basically shut down and no one was going out. You know, we weren't doing anything. People were staying home. Kids were staying home from school. Mm-hmm. So I worked on my online course. I would work, you know, from maybe six or seven in the morning till two in the afternoon, putting this together. And it was a real learning curve for me. I had to learn PowerPoint. That's where I got this headset from doing my course. <laughs> And I see it's coming handy now. It sounds wonderful. (laughs) Oh, good. That's good. And so I worked on getting my course. And at the same time, I, you know, had to find, you know, people that were interested in my course. So I, people said, well, try Instagram. So I did. And I love Instagram. That's my favorite social media platform. And so I made the course and, you know, I sold a few and, So I got fired up about that. And then I started to have, you know, like software, a couple of uh, scheduling software companies, you know, ask me, do I want to promote their product? And this is a little self-promotion here right now. I like it. Yes, of course. Of course. I love where you're going because I saw when I was looking on your website, which is cleaningbossbootcamp.com. Uh-huh. .com. Go to that site so you can see exactly what Irene is talking about here. I love that you're utilizing software. You talked a little bit about it as scheduling, but I imagine yeah. you're also tracking, cleaning, right? Well, All that. I think the, like, I schedule my own team, which is about six to eight employees, nine employees using software. I work with Jobber and I've used that since 2017. And so here I had other software companies asking me, you know, do you want to promote my product? And they were kind of vague. And and so I asked Jobber, you know, do they offer something like that? So long story short, I'm now a Jobber ambassador. So very cool. Yeah, it is cool. It's kind of interesting. And I didn't think I would, you know, go in that direction. But so I am talking about online scheduling and how it saves cleaning business owners tons of time. That's awesome. So tell me about Jobber then. What exactly does Jobber do? It's it's basically, it's an online, it's, how do you say it? It's the number one scheduling and uh, service. It's an app for, um, you can send invoices, you can schedule your customers, you can do your payroll. 
I didn't really think about this very much. But, <laughs> you can but, do it all. <laughs> yeah, you can do it all. Basically, you can run your business. Yeah, and, it helps you run your business. Yeah, it helps you run your business, um, sends out automated messages, text messages to remind customers. You can oh, send that quotes. that is very helpful. You can approve quotes. You can put an online booking form on your website. Using – oh, really? Yeah. Wow, that's all. So how does – how do people get it from you? Is it like Jobber slash Irene or? Well, if they go to my Instagram profile, oh, there's okay. a link there. Mm-hmm. And your Instagram is what? It's Irene Zibben, at Irene Zibben. So it's, it's, I'm going to put it in the chat, at Irene Zibben. Zibben. And it's also called Beyond Cleaning because that that's where on. we want to go beyond cleaning into running our business from home. It's a lot easier than cleaning, guys. Yeah, no question. You know what's funny <laughs> beyond cleaning? You know what's funny about that? Forgive me for this little diatribe, oh, but no, no. I was just recently attending a webinar cleaning. Well, it's a service cleaning service webinar and put on by this organization. It's really great. It was really helpful information. But there was a guy on there and he was talking about customer satisfaction surveys. And trying to determine whether or not you're doing a good job or not doing a good job. And he has a one through five, a one, we're not doing a good job. And a five, we're doing our, we're exceeding your expectations. And anytime I hear the idea or a survey form with the turn of phrase, exceeding expectations, my head wants to fall off my shoulders because it drives me insane because we're setting ourselves up for so much failure because, and I would only say it's like this, because I would much rather a, maybe a three or a two, let's say it's a three, a three point. And it's either we're not doing it, we're doing okay, or we're doing it as expected. Imagine if the top line was it's clean versus it's not clean. When you put in that vernacular, because number four on his little thing, number four was that they're cleaning exactly what you wanted. And number five is they're exceeding expectations. How many number fives are you going to give a a cleaning company when number four answers the top line question? Nobody's going to get a five. Unless it's a friend or relative, right? Of course. I mean, the only (laughs) way I can exceed expectations in housekeeping is if I do exactly what you want me to do and I rub your back. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) and I wash your car. And I make a couple of bills for you. Like, how could I possibly exceed a clean versus a dirty? If the counter's clean, it's clean. There is no beyond. Yeah, totally. Anyway, so beyond cleaning. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's just beyond physical cleaning. but Beyond physical cleaning. Yes, yes. Beyond doing the actual work in your business. And that, right, right, right. That's the turn of phrase, or that's the definition of what you mean. You're not talking about doing more than cleaning. You're talking about actually running a cleaning (laughs) business. Yes, as opposed to doing all the cleaning. So you know what cleaning is like, don't you? I do. (laughs) Yeah. When's the last, do you mind if I ask when the last that you actually did physical cleaning? Been a while. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, <laughs> Housekeepers podcast. This has been no. I'm kidding. Um, gosh, it's been a little bit of time. It's been a. You know, what's funny is it's been a little bit of time, but 
I'm always doing trainings. Yes. So I'm always stripping floors. I'm always high dusting. I'm always vacuuming. I'm always showing how to go around a room and touch all the high touch points. You know, I'm always talking about, so how long has it been since I've grabbed a cart and actually ran a job routine? It's been since December. I did it. The oh. last time I did it was in December, right before Christmas and then right after Christmas. So the week before and the week after we were super short staffed. I was yeah. running three nursing homes. And, you know, middle of COVID, right during the holiday week, the last two or three weeks of the holiday, it was very, very challenging. And so, and we had a lot of staff who just simply, you know, we had COVID patients in the nursing home. And so we had, you know, we had blocked down the rooms, we blocked down the hallways, we made that a COVID wing. And once you put up plastic and call it a COVID wing, all of a sudden, nobody wants to work in a COVID wing. So all, you know, me and all my managers, we all worked really, really hard. I got to tell you, the backbone of the cleaning industry are the people who agree to be responsible. Those who say, yes, I'll be the supervisor. Yes, I'll be the manager. Yes, I'll be the owner. You know, the, that's really not to downgrade cleaners and people on the front line. I'm, I'm not at all. I'm saying during COVID, I had more managers having to step up and clean those areas than because staff simply refused. So it was December which I guess is a long time ago now is eight months. But in that time, I've stripped a ton of floors. I vacuumed a lot. I do. Listen, I'm trained. I have equipment behind me. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't sure because one of your other guests, Iris Verdi. Iris Verdi. Yeah, she yes. runs a hospital in Delaware. Okay. She runs a hospital. But I remember watching one of your podcasts and she mentioned that something like 22 years ago, she was going through a management training program, and one of the expectations was that she would have to spend a week doing the type of house cleaning that you just explained. So she said it was really hard. She remembers it clearly to this day. She would come home. Her feet would be sore. Her back would be sore. Her arms would be aching. But she said it was, you know, it was a valuable experience to go through because now she knows what, you know, the cleaners actually go through and it's helped her with her management skills or something like that. But that stuck in my mind because I know what it's like too. It's not easy. It's hard. Yeah. A million percent. You know what she was speaking about. And by the way, that company that I worked for before I went out on my own, they make everybody. If you take a receptionist job at this company, because they're a very big company, you take a receptionist job, a delivery job, you're going to work in payroll doesn't matter what position you spend a week in cleaning you go awesome. it is amazing it is a, it's their whole point is to tell you is to show you what the core of our business is this mm -hmm. and you have to understand and appreciate what it's like to be out there in the field so everybody doesn't matter what your position is you could be applying for the COO position you're going to go run a cart before you're able to take that position so i think it's super great too i think so too but what, see, what you picked up on that with Iris is so super great. But what that tells also is that Iris was able to come into a housekeeping management position, having no previous housekeeping management or housekeeping experience, which is not the norm. Most housekeeping managers like you and me, we started in housekeeping. You know, we, I, mean, I got to tell you, I'll be honest with you. I got promoted into a leadership position in my first housekeeping job. Not because I was the greatest, but because I was the only one there with the most experience, which means I was the only one who kept showing up. That was my 
that's my superpower. I show up. Well, that's what it takes. You know, they they need someone to show up, right? That's right. That's right. That's that's yeah. what I had going for me. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting because you obviously have walked the walk. So you know what it's all about, cleaning. A million percent. I have done it and done it and done it. And I've gotten it wrong so often, so many times. I mean, I can. That's how you learn. I wish there was an easier way because it's been sometimes very painful to learn the lessons of leadership. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that every day we learn something. So. Yeah. No question. No question. So if somebody wants to work with you now, do you do mentoring, consulting, or is it just a course? So you, you can just go on, you can sign up for the course. It's just a course for now. Okay. Um, I just, I simply don't have the time to do one-on-one -on -one coaching. And I've had a couple of my followers ask me if that's something I would do. And I actually went as far as trying to set it up on a teachable platform, mm -hmm. but my heart's not in it. So, mm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, no, I understand. It's not, if you haven't got two things, right? If you, A, you don't have the time mm -hmm. and B, it's not something you're passionate about, then why are you wasting your time doing it? Right. You know? Yeah. So I offer the course and I may, you know, write another course, make another course about, you know, getting into the house cleaning business from a ground level. Yeah. Very nice. That right sounds now, really great. My approach is like, if you're burnt out, you need to grow your business. You need to automate. You need to hire people. Take it from there. Yeah, I like that too. I like that your approach, your website, it starts with that. It starts with if you're burnt out, it's because you're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. It's because you're spending all your time cleaning and not running the business. And that's not how you get better. It's not how you grow. It's the opposite. Yeah. So I like that. And a lot of people are like they're stuck in that position because A, they have bills to pay. And they come home at night and they flop on the sofa, have something to eat and watch Netflix because, you know, they don't want to spend their free time studying or searching for answers or, you know, so what my course does is it just provides all of that in a quick one hour course. Yeah, that's really awesome. That's really awesome. So how do people find you? How do they get a hold of you if they're near vancouver is that where you are near vancouver yeah, near vancouver british columbia so if somebody wants to like i heard irene i want her to clean my house how do they get a hold oh, of oh no we i don't clean I, we only clean in our small community oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you're not taking any more clients well we're taking clients like i just hired two new people this week Oh, but we don't go far. Like I don't send my teams out farther than the city that we live in, which is Abbotsford, British Columbia. Okay. So if they're in Abbotsford, British Columbia. We'll take them. I have to write that down. Abbots. How do you spell Abbotsford? A-B-B-O-T-S-F-O-R-D. It is British Ford. Columbia. British Columbia. I wasn't sure if you were saying Ford, like the car. Oh, yeah, Abbott's Ford. Abbott's Ford. Okay. Yeah. Well, I am going to put all this information in the show notes. So Thank if you. somebody out there, what, how do you do your advertisement now? Do you have a billboard? What are you doing? Knocking on well, doors? Well, mostly, most of my new business for my cleaning business comes from a Google or from referrals. And I don't hate to say it, but I don't spend a penny on Google. Google is awesome, but I don't spend money on ads. So what do you mean? How do you do it with Google? 
Well, you list your business on Google mm -hmm. and then you can, it's something like uh, you can share videos or put pictures on your Google page. Got it. And when people are searching, say, for cleaners in Abbotsford, then my site comes up to the top of the list and they call me or they're directed to my website where they can fill out a booking request courtesy of Jobber. And, you know, sometimes I'll wake up in the morning and, you know, I have a request to respond to or. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I got to keep that in mind. Jobber, Jobber. Oh. We're going to go to Irene Zibin, 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 yeah. Zibin, at Irene Zibin on Instagram. And that is yeah. where we get the link so we can connect with you through Jobber. Yes, you would actually get a discount if you clicked on that link. What? There's even a disc. Wait a minute. That discount. makes it better. Discount. I do enjoy yeah. a discount. Yeah. I do enjoy a discount. Well, this has been really, really wonderful. I really appreciate you taking the time with me. It was it was fabulous. And this is my first podcast, as you know. But thank you for making me feel very comfortable. And I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. Me? And I would, I would do it again on another podcast. How dare you? I'm not asking you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> was it that bad? No. <laughs> no, no, you were you were perfect. It was I enjoyed so it. great. Tremendous. So great talking to you. I truly just love the story. I love finding out how people, where you grew up and how you found your way into the cleaning business and then how you're making it work and where you're seeing the industry go and it's just super fascinating to me. So I really appreciate that. Now your story is part of my story and that's just super great. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you very much. You are welcome. Well, that's it for us here at the Housekeepers Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show and of course, if you didn't, Irene says, how dare you? Okay, I got <laughs> it for you. <laughs> that's if you didn't enjoy it. Please make sure that you are subscribing and that you are reviewing and following and Make sure you go and visit Irene on Instagram, which is where she wants you to find her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so go to Instagram to find everything about Irene Zibin and her Cleaning Boss Bootcamp, which is pretty fantastic over there with Jobber. Does Jobber run the website? Is that how you built the websites with Jobber? No, no. Oh. I, I did that on another platform. So. All right. Well, we'll take that part out of the podcast. <laughs> so that's it for us. The cleanest hour in podcasting the cleanest hour in podcasting. She is Irene Zibin. I am Ralph Peterson, and I'll see you all later. That's it. The Housekeepers Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into today's show. Keep in mind, the best way to ensure that you never miss an episode of the Housekeepers Podcast is by subscribing to the show and following us on social media. For those of you who are more visually stimulated, you can always watch us record the show live each week on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. In fact, we post all of our videos on YouTube, so make sure you are subscribing to our YouTube channel. If you love the show and you want to help us out, please consider writing a review and sharing the show with all your friends and families and colleagues. And if you are looking for more information about today's guest, all of their contact information and the links to their website are in the show's notes. That's it. Until next time, this has been the cleanest hour in podcasting. I am Ralph Peterson, and I'll see you later.